Greetings, I'm John Haspel. Matt Branham and I founded Cross River Meditation Center in 2012. The following is a Dhamma class recording from our center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. Please support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. All right, so the Nibbana Sutta. So I feel like Nibbana has sort of a mystical kind of connotation to it. Um, but in this sutta, we really see that it is simply a pleasant abiding. Um, the way Ram says it, I love the way he says it, things just are. And we're not distracted by wanting things to be different. And that's pleasant. Uh, the mind is designed to automatize practiced patterns of thinking. So when we choose to hold something in mind habitually, we condition the mind to automatize that pattern of thinking. And then it happens without us choosing it. These habits of thinking or conditioned thinking accumulate over time and can be clung together and used to define the mind to itself, which is I making. This creates a confused, deluded, distracted mind. Release from this, release from this conditioned thinking or unbinding is a clearing of the mind, which occurs as a natural consequence of Dhamma practice. Nibbana refers to unbinding, release, peace and calm, awakening, release from the yoke of ignorance of Four Noble Truths, profound right view. These are all just different ways of saying it. We experience unbinding whenever we enter and remain in right view. In order to experience unbinding, we use the four foundations of mindfulness during jhana meditation. By practicing jhana, we develop the concentration to see conditioned thinking occur in the mind. We see the automatized habits of mind. We see it and we recognize it as conditioned. This, I'm not choosing this thought process. It's just happening. So it's not me. And then we also see reactions to those habits of thinking. So the direction of the Buddha is to watch those reactions and habits arise and pass away on their own. That's what we do during, that's what we use the four foundations of mindfulness for. We establish mindfulness of the breath arising and passing away. We establish mindfulness of feelings arising and passing away. We establish mindfulness of thoughts arising and passing away. We establish mindfulness of mind quality arising and passing away. This minimizes eye-making, which is distraction, which is getting caught up in the wanting it to be different. When things just are, it is profoundly calm and pleasant. <clears throat> On one occasion, the venerable Sariputta was staying in Rajagaha in the bamboo forest at Squirrel's Sanctuary. He addressed those gathered to hear his words. Friends, the unbinding, the release is only pleasant. Venerable Udayan then asked him, what is pleasing when nothing is felt, when nothing arises? Sariputta replies, this pure pleasure is found in increasing jhana, increasing concentration. This pure pleasure abandons the distraction of feelings and thoughts. This pure pleasure rests only in a mind united with its body. So the pure pleasure of unbinding is when the mind is experiencing 
without distraction. This occurs when we create a habit out of abandoning, clinging, and craving to feelings and thoughts. In jhana, we watch what is occurring in the mind arise and pass away on its own, while minimizing getting distracted or eye-making about what is arising and passing away. This is abandoning the distraction of feelings and thoughts. So just that process or that habit or that practice of watching arising and passing away in the mind, coming back to the sensation of breathing, coming back to what is arising, what is passing away, and just letting it arise and pass away on its own, that is abandoning. It's not pushing away. It's not making it not have it happen. It's not thinking about another way to refine my Dhamma practice and get better at it. It's just simply coming back to the breath. That is abandoning. When this becomes automatic, we experience a mind united in its body, which is pleasurable. Friend Udayan, these five qualities of a distracted mind arise from sensual pleasures. Be mindful of these five aspects of distraction, of grasping after and clinging to sensual indulgence. Seeing forms as enticing, satisfying, and endearing. Hearing sounds as enticing, satisfying, and endearing. Smelling aromas as enticing, satisfying, and endearing. Tasting flavors as enticing, satisfying, and endearing. Feeling physical sensations as enticing, satisfying, and endearing. Whenever grasping after or clinging to central pleasure arises in dependence on any of these senses, be mindful this is grasping after or clinging to central pleasure, to sensuality. So what he's saying here is that if you hear something and you notice that you like it or you don't like it, just recognize that's clinging. No problem. Come back to the sensation of breathing. It will pass away on its own. This is how you use the sixth sense base to come back to what is occurring. Now, when the wise Dhamma practitioner, having established seclusion, enters and remains in the first jhana, this first jhana is experienced as contentment born of this very seclusion. It is accompanied by directed thought and evaluation. Here, the unskilled Dhamma practitioner may become distracted by the perception of sensuality. This is an affliction for this Dhamma practitioner, as any painful thing would be. Our teacher, Siddhartha Gotama, teaches that any affliction is stressful, any affliction is dukkha. Knowing this, the wise Dhamma practitioner abandons the distraction of sensual indulgence and knows through direct experience the pure pleasure of unbinding. So when in jhana we experience sensual pleasure and, and distraction of sensual pleasure, how can I make this continue? How can I make this stop happening? No problem. Come back to the sensation of breathing. It will pass away on its own. If we get a caught up in thinking about sensual pleasure or the pleasure that we're experiencing in this moment or the pleasure that we're experiencing in jhana. Oh, I'm doing so well. I'm, I'm having such a good sit. No problem. Come back to the sensation of breathing. This is, aban this is abandoning the distraction of sensual indulgence. And then we're going to see that there's more uh, possibility to abandon. There's more opportunity the deeper that jhana goes, there's still more opportunities. Things will still arise that we could potentially be distracted by. And the and the the direction is just come back to the sensation of breathing. Continuing, the wise Dhamma practitioner enters and remains in the second jhana, which is the stilling of directed thought and evaluation. The second jhana is experienced as contentment and pleasure born of concentration. Free of directed thought and evaluation, the joy of concentration permeates their entire mind and body. Here, the unskilled Dhamma practitioner may become distracted 
by directed thought and evaluation. This is an affliction for this Dhamma practitioner as any painful thing would be. Continuing, the wise Dhamma practitioner enters and remains in the third jhana, which is experienced as the fading of contentment and the pleasure of a mind united with its body, equanimous and supple, a pleasant abiding. Here, the unskilled Dhamma practitioner may become distracted by contentment. This is an affliction for this Dhamma practitioner as any painful thing would be. Continuing, the wise Dhamma practitioner enters and remains in the fourth jhana. Just as other unskillful mental qualities arise and pass away, pleasure and pain fades away. Now this Dhamma practitioner rests in pure equanimity and mindfulness. Here, the unskilled Dhamma practitioner may become distracted by equanimity and refined mindfulness. Mm -hmm. This is an affliction for this Dhamma practitioner as any painful thing would be. Continuing, the wise Dhamma practitioner abandons the perception of various forms. This wise Dhamma practitioner abandons name and form, or just compulsive self-reference, and, and all fabricated realms. <clears throat> the perception of infinite space, the perception of infinite consciousness, the perception of nothingness, the perception of neither perception nor non-perception. Here, so all of these are, are <laughs> deeper levels of meditation, which you can get really caught up in and distracted by and spend a lot of time, a lot of like your life on like different Buddhist forums discussing what these realms are. Don't do that. <laughs> it's it's helpful to know that they exist if that's a practice that you've developed. It's helpful. It's helpful to know that hey, they're going to arise and then they're going to pass away, and we need to stay focused on the four foundations of mindfulness the entire time. But it's that's all you need to understand. So if none of this makes any sense to you. It doesn't matter. I I find it. Distracting to even call it deeper levels. Okay, fair enough. Makes fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. So, so, yes. Yeah. Experiences during meditation would be a better way to say it. Thank you for that. Here, the unskilled Dhamma practitioner may become distracted by the perception of infinite space, the perception of infinite consciousness, the perception of nothingness, the perception of neither perception nor non-perception. This is an affliction for this Dhamma practitioner, as any painful thing would be. Continuing, the wise Dhamma practitioner abandons all fabricated realms, rasping after and clinging to perceptions and feelings fades. So it is by this reasoning that a pleasant unbinding is known to the wise Dhamma practitioner. So that's the end of the I'm just going to say a couple more things. So the common thread here is that regardless of where you are in meditation, there is always the possibility of eye-making or distraction by what arises in the mind. If you're not holding in mind that you're just staying with the arising and passing away of the breath, the arising and passing away of feelings, the arising and passing away of thoughts, the arising and passing away of the overall quality of mind. Um, I'm experiencing the first genre. I'm experiencing infinite space. You know, when eye making arises, it has a potential and often does distract the mind into the story of me. So we gently bring ourselves back to the breath, which is abandoning. We are perpetually abandoning eye making in jhana until eye making passes away on its own, which is a pleasant abiding. Things just are. All right. Let's go online first. Hmm. Tom, I'm going to call on you. Good morning. Or good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes. Um, well, thank you very much for the teachings. Um, it's, I, I actually haven't heard the Buddha before teach the four jhanas quite in this way, which I find quite interesting, actually. Um, and I think, I think you know, the, the comment at each stage where it's like 
it's like the unskilled dharma practitioner may at this stage become distracted by x or y you know i found that interesting and i think your commentary at the end was interesting as well that it's it doesn't matter where you are right if you're struggling to get into the first jhana or or you're a super duper meditator on your fourth jhana like you, the, the the challenge is the same, right? You're 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 still faced with the same reality that you might that that you can get get involved in in eye making, which I think makes the 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 process very accessible. I think to anybody, right? Because it doesn't matter. Like you know, we we I could have been meditating for fifteen years, or I could be on my very first sit, and either way, I might I might get involved in eye making, and I might might sort of stumble wherever I might be in the practice, which is, you know, it's, it, it sort of real makes you realize how we're all on that kind of level playing field at the end of the day, even if some people are a bit more experienced in their practice than others. Um, so I, I liked that. Um, and that's all I've got to say. Uh, so thank you, Jen. Thank you. Yeah. I think, um, if you are, looking to get into any particular genre or anything beyond that or whatever those are all that's all just more eye making it's really just come back to four foundations yeah and i you know for me i actually try to think about the genres as little as possible when i'm meditating because i i actually think they can be a trap right mm -hmm. to evaluate your practice i think they're helpful at least for me in terms of demystifying meditation and helping me to realize that that you know i don't need to go up go off into some cosmic yeah consciousness or whatever right yeah. and actually oh actually it's just the, these are the four genres and they're very they're very um it's a practical kind of reference point for you but yeah, you should treat it very lightly, right? Because otherwise, if you're sort of thinking, where am I? Am I in the second or the third? Then mm -hmm. you're obviously, um, you know, um, coming coming a cropper um, through eye making, right? As soon as you yeah. start. Well, that's, yeah. that's helpful because I, I think I don't have any experience with any other meditation practice except for coming here. So I think it's helpful as a teacher to know you know, other perspectives, how clarifying that can be. If you do get caught in the weeds. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Mr. Haspel, you got to unmute yourself though. Here, let me ask you again to unmute. There, there you go. Thank you. It's hard for me to see those little controls. Uh, Jen, thank you for that excellent teaching. The first thing I have to say though, is it has to do with uh, Tom's, uh, what Tom just said, uh, Tom, you said a lot after saying you didn't have anything else to say. <laughs> and it was really good. I'm glad you said it. Uh, yeah, Jen, you really nuanced this, uh, this Nibbana suit out. I, it's, you know, I, I think I taught this just less than a month ago, but I wanted to fit it in here again to emphasize it. And the, what that that you put a little emphasis on what may occur and tom picked up on that is so important because you, it, you're right this could happen at any time during your practice um there's an aspect of the dhamma um how do i say this the fourth foundation of mindfulness um and let me say call it uh, awakened mindfulness or near awakened mindfulness, which is that equanimity. Well, there's an aspect of equanimity or egalitarianism in the Dhamma in that it doesn't matter where we are, whether mm -hmm. we're 20 years in or 20 minutes in, the Dhamma is the same and it always stays the same. Uh, it, and it's just such an important thing to understand that, that we're not trying to escape our body or escape our minds we're trying to unite our minds and our body and anybody can do it you know and 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 there's there's times along the along the path where we might lose our minds but we know how to get it back and i know i've said this in class before but whenever i 
think of something like that, I think about my friend who was a, uh, a Jesuit and he had nine nervous breakdowns and he was one of the most brilliant men I ever met. We used to have these long talks. And he said one thing that I'll always remember. He said, it's okay if you lose your mind, just get another one. And that's mm -hmm. why I come back to the breath. And it's and it really is as simple as that, even though it can seem very complicated. So you you presented a very straightforward uh, and supple presentation of what, what could seem obscure, which is Nibbana, which simply means extinguish, extinguish the flames of passion, or as you pointed out, I'm making and again just an excellent teaching and I'm glad that I'm here this morning thanks Thank how are you Bridget you're unmuted I see it now you're now you're muted again <laughs> there we go. this the computer's been giving me trouble um well thank you for the teaching uh you know as we always say, perfect, timely, wonderful teaching, just waiting for me this, for all of us this Saturday morning. So thank you for that. Okay. Um, it kind of made me realize again, as I'm sure it will again in the future, how those conditioned thought patterns are such deep grooves. Mm. They're so deep. And I keep kind of getting to these points where I have maybe like an unbinding kind of moment and then I fall back into the groove and I think that in a way I'm kind of having like maybe almost like a pleasant understanding that that's going to keep happening mm -hmm. and that looking for that to stop happening anytime soon it's probably an unrealistic expectation and a distraction from actually practicing. Um, I feel like the mind goes, oh, the Dhamma. <laughs> That's a useful tool. <laughs> How can we apply it for our purposes of obsessing about? I, <laughs> and I feel it, you know, kind of going in the, the wrong direction, you know, and I really, I feel like this morning was a little bit of a like, just like, um, you know, a mirror being like, okay, here's your real practice. And here's what you thought you were doing this past yeah. week. And <laughs> check it out. So um, I'm really looking forward to having a weekend. Good. Or <laughs> I'm not doing the other thing. So good, 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 good. <laughs> the four foundations of mindfulness is available to you anytime during the day. As long as you're in the habit of practicing it on the cushion, you can tap right into it anytime. And that the more often that you do that, you will be less likely to keep those grooves going. You'll move out of them. Eventually you will be less distracted by them and you will pull yourself out of that conditioned thinking and the, and the following habits uh, more quickly. So just keep on, keep it on. And I, I will have to pop out um, maybe a little early. So I just want to say thank you. Um, I'm glad you, we got to see you then. Tracy, what's up? Hi, Jen. Thanks so much for this teaching. Hi. What Bridget said, was so apropos to how I'm feeling also. Um, she probably said it better than I can. Um, I needed to come today. I'm actually, um, I'm away with my mom. We're at a yoga retreat. And I <laughs> I came to this retreat for her because she's older and I didn't want her to drive. And, you know, I had all the best intentions of like bringing my practice on the road, you know. <laughs> And uh, I'm really finding a lot of challenge here, which I was not prepared for. And I thought I had everything I needed, you know, to <laughs> keep, keep my practice. And I have been meditating and reading and, you know, really just, but this is way more challenging than I really thought. And 
I'm finding that <clears throat> kind of what Bridget said, like this whole weekend, like the eye making is very sneaky, you mm-hmm. know? Insidious. And uh, <clears throat> what's that? Insidious. Yeah. And I'm finding myself with this feeling of like superiority and, you know, really non-acceptance of what's going on around me, despite really trying hard (laughs) to accept, you know, grasping at the desire for acceptance. And it's just, I'm just missing the mark, you know. Um, But what I realized is uh, I almost didn't come to the class this morning because there's like, you know, another thing going on that I should participate in. And, but this is, this is my practice. I need to come to my practice and to my sangha and to be with my people to remind me and to put me back in the right path, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate this time and the teaching and um, yeah, I won't set any big goals or expectations for myself for the rest of the weekend, but I will say that I will just come back to the breath and just try yeah. to notice more, more than, you know, good, good. Thank That's you, great. Yeah. I mean, you guys are both talking about recognizing um, conditioned thinking, which is the only, that's the only direction here. It's not make yourself be different. It's not make yourself not react to things that you're seeing in the world. It's not be, uh, you know, perfectly at peace with all the annoying things in your life. It's just knowing how to come back to what is occurring and watching your own reactions and your own conditioned thinking around what is occurring and, and recognizing that and abandoning it helps you to see that it's not yours. And therefore you're more likely to let it go and be at peace. So you guys are doing it. Y'all are doing it. Yay. Thank you. Um, is there anybody that needs to leave early? I'm sorry. I'm switching the camera over to. Let's see if I can. Yeah. Anybody in the room that doesn't want to be on camera? You want to roll? You got to get out of here, Ron. Let's get the camera on you. Okay. A little, a little sideways, but that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've had my struggles with with Jonna, uh, and um, it it is a continuous opportunity to 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 draw the eye making. Even the eye making of it's not going right. Mm. I'm not getting it. Yeah, but it's just another form of it. Uh, and I, I I was stuck in there for. A long time, yeah. Um, and yeah, this this actually this whole series has been very helpful. Yeah, just to tease out those those the subtle bits of or, or unexpected bits of eye making that that are going mm-hmm. on there, just But on the other hand, um, you know that even with that. Um, the daily opportunity to watch your state of mind, yeah. your foundation, it's always there. Yeah. And so uh, that's um, and that's been there for for a long time. So I'm I'm, I'm pleased with that. Sometimes I'm just puzzled by it. Yeah. Mm. As I said before, I'm stuck in this first John and know what's going on. <laughs> and you know, and then I'm out in the world and and. and that fourth foundation is there. Yeah. So, there you go. Many ways of doing it. Yep. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Can we get this camera on Zach, sort of? Yeah. Hi, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, that's perfect, actually. Okay. Cody. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'll I think I'll take note of silence as well. Okay. Thanks for being here. Ma. 
<laughs> Thank you for your teaching. Um, it's so good to be reminded that it's just a few steps. It's just a little bit of recognition. And once you've once you've once you've recognized it, of course you can go off into the rabbit hole. But earlier and earlier you will see that that's what you did and this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And you, you that that's all there is to it. And it's so nice to just be reminded that it's that simple as long as you keep doing it, as long as your right effort is there, you will you will get better and better at it. You will start as you say to recognize what your mind is doing to you and even though things will happen to you that makes it very hard to abandon what your mind is doing to you <clears throat> like what just happened to me and my mind continues to try to do this to me, to scare me, mm. to, but I can see it doing it. I can see it. So it's it's just so helpful. I mean, I can't I can't always see it. Sometimes I'm stuck. Sometimes I'm really scared. You know, mm -hmm. whatever. But eventually, if you keep trying. You keep realizing that you are doing this. Nothing is happening right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nothing is happening. It is what it is, Ron. Nothing mm -hmm. is happening. And you just continue to keep going back to me. Then things it gets easier and easier mm -hmm. to go back to that and to and to just be with your be with what's happening and what's happening is what's happening. Your breath and your body. Your breath and your body. Your thoughts arising and passing away. Yep. Your feelings arising and passing away. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. Yeah. And they're not gonna stop. Right. You just realize this is what's happening, then it's passed away, and nothing's happening. Right John used to say, Well, I don't think the bomb's going to go off in the next minute <laughs> <laughs> or with the next breath. Right. But this is what's happening. Right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> Let's see if I can get this camera on. Adam, there we go. Hi, Adam. Hey, Jen. Um, the comments from everybody in the song are brilliant this morning. Thanks because it's a really teaching. Oh. <laughs> um, you got that right. Yeah. Sarah Puto was, yeah, he's well presented today. Too. So good. Yeah. <laughs> She's um, <laughs> uh, what I think is fascinating about this, you know, it takes this what otherwise might seem like a you know otherworldly concept of nirvana and yeah. Um, makes it so accessible like uh and like tom was saying um and anyway this is anyway and teaching help helps me see it as a as just part of a, a continuum mm -hmm. starting off with the first genre um and uh you know ending up with this you know abandonment um and uh the pleasant abiding um and they're not sort of like steps you have to struggle through right you know, right barriers you have to smash down or anything right. like that um yeah, thank you. Good to have you here. Mary? Yeah. Um, I think um, what Sangha mom said, you know, mm -hmm. was really profound because 
we're each bringing our, you know, own experience with Duca into this class, mm -hmm. but there's a, you know, a common um, application here to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And it's internal mm -hmm. and it's our eye making and it's for us to address um, each situation in its own way, but maybe not making each situation or each experience with Dukkha unique and special. Right. And, um, you know, we all, you know, just in our lives where we are kind of brought up to, well, let me tell you about what happened. Yeah. <laughs> the reality of the conversation could say, start with, I had some suffering this week. Yeah. How did your week go? Yeah. I went through suffering. How did you deal with it? I had some suffering too. You know, and and you're done. You know, you haven't unloaded on the other person. Yeah, you you've accepted that it's an internal cleansing that needs yeah. to take place. Yeah, and that the the jhanas and the four foundations of mindfulness are your ticket. Yep, out of there, and not to suppress. Yeah, or make peace with something, um, which I think is something I sometimes struggle with, mm. just making peace and. Um, you know, and instead do the work that's necessary yeah. um, within yourself because that's that's what you have control over. Mm -hmm. So thank you. It was really yeah. a beautiful teaching. Yeah. Then. And it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Like that's really yeah. That's really yeah. It's okay to not be okay in this, and that's because it's just what it is. Right. Right. And then I'm not fighting. I'm not resisting what's occurring because it's that internal resistance to what is happening that is causing the stress it's that's not right. the actual event right and that's what we learn here it's grabbing on right yeah yeah thank you mary that was right thank yeah you. you were my inspo <laughs> <laughs> mark hi good morning good teaching um unbinding was uh very important uh, to hear about this. I think it brought me back to um, the aspect that, that I've discovered a while ago is that not clinging to trying to, not clinging to trying to bring the happiness and push away the things that are bad, just yeah. some things the way they are. So to me, I found a new vocabulary to put on that. Mm. I think it was Julia that said that. It's important to find the right vocabulary yeah. for, um, for different aspects. Um, so to me, that's a central thing that just reinforced one more time. Um, I struggle a little bit how that's related to um, uh, reuniting the mind and the body. Ah, great question. So... A mind that is present fully with what is occurring is a mind that is aware of and present for the breath in the body, feelings and thoughts in and of themselves. Right? Yeah. And then a mind that is resisting, right, a mind that's resisting how the breath is, how thoughts are, how feelings are, what is occurring in the world is distracted from what's occurring in the body. So it's like you're you're out your your mind is now out here in the world. It's no longer yeah, it's no longer within what's happening here. Mm -hmm. So unbinding is for is ironically for the dis the distracted mind to come back into what is happening, what is happening, not la la land of what's what's actually not happening or what I'm afraid is gonna happen or what is may, maybe gonna happen or what happened yesterday or. Gotcha. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And just kind of reaffirm what I, I should have said at the beginning, this whole pushing away and, mm. and trying to find pleasure and pushing away the bad thing. That always can, sounds like a continuous emotional roller coaster. Yep. 
and that that is one mechanism to escape that roller coaster. Yeah, mm -hmm. like around the clock, you know. Yeah, so I that was a great discovery for me. Good. Um, just a couple of quick points. Um, the other is um. Um, I've got this point. This was very important, but well, we're, we're not pressed for time, so yeah, <clears throat> you're good. <laughs> but just another point on vocabulary is that while I understood what I'm making is, but it just made me realize that another practice is the calling it feeding the ego, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. Right. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. That insidious um, thing that wants to keep feeding itself. Yep. Like, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Jen? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, John. Jen? Yeah. Could I add just a little bit to what Mark said? Sure. Um, as human beings, our minds are always united in our bodies, or, or we wouldn't be here. We'd be dead. Uh, but the problem is because we lack that concentration, we throw our minds outside of our body and put the focus out there. Uh, even if it's a, some kind of internal idea or ideology, we're still focused on that rather than just recognizing and being present for this moment. So the jhana works to counter that aspect you know that that quality of human mind it wants to be distracted and wants to be stuck in eye making and as we realize our what might be called our true nature and some other modern buddhist practices our our true nature is to be united in mind and body and so we're really just restoring ourselves to our natural state it's not something outside of ourselves or it wouldn't be part of the dhamma so i hope that's helpful mark it is and, and just one last point um that i was going to make is that about sensual pleasures it's it's not that we well tell me if i'm if i'm seeing it right mm -hmm. um it's not that we want to always escape sensual pleasures but we just want to not engage them when we're trying to when we um doing jhana right i mean if if i'm cold i want to get i need to warm up right if i'm right. hungry yeah i'm gonna eat right 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 but right. it's not like you you focus on escaping sensual pleasures yes Both agreed totally agree and i think when it comes to sensual pleasure it has to be you have to use the concept of the middle the middle way so don't get yourself locked into an extreme view of I can't ever have sensual pleasure or yeah. I have to always have this particular sensual pleasure, but just the not being distracted by being cold or being hot or being yeah. uncomfortable or being hungry or whatever, you know, or if you're hungry, you eat, yeah. but if you're like meditating and you notice you're hungry, you could wait, you can wait 10 minutes, you know, until you're done and then go get a sandwich <laughs> kind of like that. Does that make sense? But don't don't spend <clears throat> ten minutes thinking about how yeah. you're gonna make the sandwich and what you're gonna find. Oh mom, I know I got that from you. <laughs> Which Netflix show I'm gonna watch right yeah, now? And like to that point, and I thought you were making that point so well, is it's about not bringing your ego and yourself right. into it. Because, right. for example, it's not like we don't all of a sudden really enjoy yeah. uh, whatever our favorite pasta dish yeah, is. Yeah, exactly, right? right. And that was something I had to struggle with in the beginning as someone who's been in the food business my whole life. Mm -hmm. like, but I'm not supposed to be excited about the garlic. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's about enjoying it fully because right. you're present with it but not inserting yourself and thinking about well i can't wait to have well it. how can i recreate this at home and... and... right 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 just to make that point yeah. yeah just staying present like even you know for me i think 
other than food, because I know John likes the chocolate cake analogy. Um, it's always, how can I get more chocolate cake? Yeah. Um, when I'm in the world, like observing things like in nature, you know, like if you see a bald eagle or you see a turkey or something that you don't normally see and then you get excited and, you know, just watching it for me, just experiencing, wow, look at this, look at this, the wonder and that having all of the experience of that and having this practice to be able to stay present with those feelings yeah. instead of feeling like, oh, I got to get a picture and I got to, I want to, okay. hey, you look at this, look at, look at, look at the turkey, look at it, you know, <laughs> it's way more, way more pleasurable to just watch the turkey, you know, so it teaches you how to do that, this practice. David. All set. You are all set. <laughs> you are all set. Um, oh man, Raquel is like perfectly behind you. Thank you. There we go. Hi, Raquel. <laughs> You're good. So much to back Um but I think all the comments were so helpful and so uh of course, I'm still absorbing all of this, but it seems to me that and having an anxious mind and trying to, this is a perfect practice, but mm -hmm. yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. yeah. My, my mind sometimes is said that it be nowhere and everywhere at the same time, which is crazy. Sometimes I want to lose it, <laughs> and, but lose my mind, like yes, nation, but it's 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 like it's humping me some, sometimes. So hard, and that seems to be that the art of living, um, living the life, recognizing that the ability to restart everything all over all the time and, and be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. That's to me, it's a learning experience that I, I start having when I start this practice here. Because last time John was asking me, you being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. And this, to me, it's a learning yeah. aspect because I'm not kind to myself. But. I'm Good. Good. Thank you. Yeah. This is a very gentle practice mm -hmm. that, yeah, I would have to agree, teaches us how to be gentle with ourselves above all else. Um, and I'm so glad that you're recognizing that because it's really, really valuable mm -hmm. and it will change your life. Yeah. <clears throat> Laura, hi. Excuse me. Speaking of you know being gentle with yourself, whenever you teach, you always like really affirm that. I get that so much because, like what you were saying, abandoning the process of abandoning—that's a strong word, but really all it is is just like you were saying, coming back to the breath in the body. And you and Raquel just now um, affirmed for me, like how pleasurable it can be in like a very autonomous way just to have that direct experience with impermanence mm. you know and then how you were talking about that and then the connection to like I think even Bridget was talking about it you know just that conditional happiness that we're always looking after you know mm. oh I'll be happy when yeah I get yeah. this job I'll yeah. be happy when my brother's suffering is relieved or my parent, you know, I'll be happy when this happens. Right. I'm always like, not always, but like frequently in that state, but then coming back through John of practice, it's just such a relief, you know, yeah. having that direct and beautiful experience with, you know, impermanence. it just, you know, alleviates your own suffering and okay, I'm constantly mm. back Cool. Oh, thank you. That was really well said. Yes. Okay. Anybody else? 
have any last minute pressing? Okay, we will finish with Meta. So find your relaxed meditation posture. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. They are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, freed from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, having completed the path, does not give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Jen. See you soon, John. Bye, John. Bye. See you soon. Just watch the damn turkey. <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you find benefit here and to learn more about the Buddha's Dhamma, please support the continuing restoration and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com.